Hello, my name is Gillian Bowen, and this is Small Firm Big Impact. Young people or those with early um, early career or less experience are just not afraid to ask for the pay rises for what they want. We also this year asked about um, members' expectations on their pay rises and whether or not these were were met. Um, And I guess with interest rates, inflation and the cost of living crisis Mm. combined with the shortage of talent across the accounting profession or, or, you know, really many roles across different sectors, it's really resulted in a heightened interest in not only what people get paid, but what the other benefits they receive as well. It's the podcast giving chartered accountants the up-to-date information they need to do their jobs. Each episode, I share resources, tools, and expert advice provided by Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand, and a range of people across our profession. So get following the pod in your favourite podcast app. Let's start a conversation. Today we have Charlotte Ebbett, FCA, our NZ Regions General Manager. The topic, the latest CA ANZ Member Remuneration Survey. Charlotte, welcome back to Small Firm Big Impact. Hi Gil, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. First off, let's make it clear, we're going to use the word REM because saying remuneration constantly is going to trip you and I up. Um, And let's do a bit of a quick explanation about what the CA ANZ Member REM survey is, sort of what it measures. Well, um, first of all, Gil, we've been running the the REM survey for several years now, so we've got a really great bank of data. And um, and just to give members and listeners confidence, the, um, the survey is carried out and administered and the data analysed independently. So this year we used independent research firm Cantar and it's a hot member favourite. So this year we had, um, I'd say, almost 6,000 member responses. Mm. So um, it measures a variety of things, I think, One of the hot interest areas is um, members' information on their pay or total remuneration, as we call it in the survey. Um, We also look at non-pay benefits that members receive from their employer. And then we slice and dice it um, by members' roles, their location, their year's experience. Um, And then we also, this year, asked about um, members' expectations on their pay rises and whether or not these were were met. Um, And I guess with interest rates, inflation and the cost of living crisis Mm. combined with the shortage of talent across the accounting profession or, or, you know, really many roles across different sectors, it's really resulted in a heightened interest in not only what people get paid, but what the other benefits they receive as well. Um, And and. From anecdotal and actual evidence, it's to me it's a key tool that employers use to attract and retain top talent because they can't just keep paying more and more and more. So they're looking to those additional benefits that they can um, help lure employees mm. in with. Um, mm. We also, though, um, so that's one part of it, I guess. We also seek and previously and continue to um, get views around knowledge and behaviours in the workplace that contribute to the the gender pay gap. So Mm. some of the findings were fascinating and I'm sure we'll touch on them in more detail soon. Mm -hmm. Now on that, the survey and its findings are available to download from the CAANZ website and there's been plenty of coverage in the media. Uh, So I will put a link in our website. Uh, I will put a link 
to our website in the show notes because this podcast isn't going to be able to discuss everything in the survey in depth. Right, we've only got a short amount of time, so we need we're going all day to give, for that. Absolutely, we're going to give you some highlights, and then if you want to find out more, you can. So, uh, with that in mind, and that we're talking to many of our small and medium-sized practice members here, let's start with the median total REM. What are the details there? Uh, well, medium total remuneration, I guess that the, the headline is that it grew by 3% this year or 2023 um, compared to 11% in 2022. But uh, that's just the headline number. And I guess when we sort of dig into the data, there were some quite interesting variances between countries, um, different sectors, and uh, to me, most interestingly, by years experience. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, yeah. The younger, the younger talent. Well, let's first of all. What about going a quick snapshot on Australia and New Zealand? The differences there, and then perhaps talk me through um, the the look at the 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 different experiences breakdown. Okay. Well, we looked at full-time and part-time. So in Australia, um, medium remuneration or total REM was $155,000 for full-time and $112,000 for part-time. And each country is reported in local currency. So in New Zealand... It was yes, it was one hundred and forty thousand for full time workers and ninety two thousand seven hundred for part time workers. So there is a difference which has um, you know been consistent throughout the years between countries and also between what full time workers get paid and the equivalent for part time workers. Mm. There's been a lot of focus um, in in the media coverage of our REM survey on young talent and and the younger uh, CAs and their increases in regards to to pay and and mm. to ram what is it um let's go through that first what's the highlight there Oh, it really is a highlight because we've read a lot about, you know, now is the time to be a young chartered accountant or to be thinking about um, studying and becoming a chartered accountant. And this data shows that that couldn't be more true. So um, beneath that sort of headline number of a 3% raise, you know, between years compared to 11% last year, early career members, and we defined them as those with zero to five years experience, they reported receiving a really um, significantly large pay rise than those like me, unfortunately, with more experience. So um, at least a 7.6% pay rise they reported um, of those that received a pay rise. So in many cases, this is likely to have been larger, and we didn't actually go up in bands from there. But you know, I imagine there were some pretty decent pay rises. So to me, this says um, young people or those with early um, early career or less experience are just not afraid to ask for the pay rises for what they want. And also there is such a, a tight market for talent and especially um, with less experience at the moment, um, employers are having to meet that to in order to secure the good talent, which is where the good news story, and we'll touch on this later, um, Gil, but the good news story, because obviously employers can't just keep getting out their um, checkbook to use an old parlance of the days of mm-hmm. check and writing bigger and bigger, um, you know, giving bigger and bigger pay increases. There, there are limits on, on what employers can pay. So that's where the... Um, the additional benefits that the non-remuneration benefits come in, which is really interesting. Yes, I'm making a note to ensure that I do bring up and talk about the additional benefits. And if we don't, that information is in the full survey information, which is on the website. The other part too, so besides the young CAs asking for the extra pay rise, the other flip side to that is the benefits of being able to say that if you go into a career of 
accounting, of being a CA, when you begin, there is an opportunity, a real opportunity to receive a good amount of remuneration. And that's good for then the flow down into attracting talent and the pipeline and then eventually helping shortages so that the squeeze isn't so there for our members who are really crying out to someone help to help them with the workload. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you pay more for something, it's, you know, demand and supply, I guess, basic economics, that makes it more attractive. So it will increase the supply. And the really interesting, um, one of the really interesting findings to me was, and you can see this on the charts when you go into the remuneration survey report, it's not like, you know, some other careers um, that that people might select where you, you hit a ceiling uh, at a point in your career, you can see every year as experience increases right through to, you know, 30 years plus, members reported um, receiving sort of a bump up in their mm. um, median remuneration. So remuneration mm. continues to grow um, steadily throughout mm. um, a member's career, which is, you know, really good news. Mm, mm, it's a good point. On the sectors then, when we look at the different places and areas and organisations that our members work. What did the REM survey find out about that? Well, um, again, this has been pretty consistent through years. Um, the corporate sector were the most highly paid on average, followed by not-for-profit, government, and then public practice. So that's not to say for those, you know, in pu- public practice, of which many of our listeners will be, that public mm. practice pays poorly. It most certainly doesn't. In fact, it can pay very, very well. But um, in my experience, public practice firms usually employ a, a larger number of more junior staff. So that's going to bring down the reported average pay level. But, you know, they actually pay decently, but that's the way that, um, that the averages turned out. And then when we look between countries, I guess if we break those results per sector down a bit further, in Australia, public practice REM actually was the highest growth overall by sector. So overall, that went up 6% um, between Mm. years. Um, Then when we look at New Zealand, this was interesting. And to me, it made a lot of sense because I'm based in New Zealand, so very aware of what's going on here. But the um, government are not not-for-profit sector REM actually increased by 9% between years, which is a very high number for government. Mm. But that, I like, um, I would say that is most likely due to the lifting of the public sector pay freeze, which had been in place for a few years in New Zealand, yes. lif- lifted in early 2023. So that may well explain that large increase between years. Yes, that's a very good point. Look, before we move on to having a chat about the gender pay gap, let's talk about the additional benefits that the survey looks at, and that is going to be key for our S&P listeners who are with us today. What are we talking about there? Well, um, members received a range of different and additional benefits. Interestingly, um, the top benefit reported across both countries was free or subsidised professional membership. Um, So that includes membership for CAANZ or it could be for another professional body. So in New Zealand, 88% of respondents or members who responded reported receiving free or subsidised professional memberships in New Zealand it was 68%, uh, sorry, Australia, it was 68%, so just over two thirds. Um, But there were a range of other benefits reported. For example, um, almost 20% of Australian respondents reported receiving additional paid leave. And in New Zealand, that was about a third. So that's a really important one, I think, Mm. for people that are feeling um, just burnt out and worn worn down. So there were other things like private health insurance. Um, In New Zealand, 29% of um, members that responded received 
um, free or subsidised health insurance. That was a lot lower mm. in Australia. That mm. was four percent. Um, but an opportunity bonus- potentially for Australian firms. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. In Australia, forty-one percent of members, um, it was full-time members, reported receiving a bonus or some kind of at-risk component. So that was a bit lower in New Zealand, only thirty-one percent. So, um, you know, bonuses are used more in Australia, which mm. um, yeah was interesting. Um, mm. But I think sort of overall, when we had a look, we saw that New Zealand, um, you were more likely to receive an additional benefit in New Zealand than you were overall in Australia. That could include a mobile phone, like I said, health insurance, you know, education, like paid education, annual mm. leave, et cetera. And mm. I think the conclusion that that I drew from this um, and I mentioned it earlier, is that, you know, whilst base pay is important, obviously we go to work to earn the money that pays our mm-hmm. bills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on, it's not the be-all and end-all. And in terms of an attraction and retention tool, we've got, um, employers have all these different tools at their disposable, disposal. Some of them are, um, you know, at zero cost to them or very little cost, and they're very important in being able to attract and retain top talent in a really competitive market. Mm-hmm. All good points. Look, let's talk gender pay gap first I think we should explain how it's measured yeah for sure well we um, measured the gender pay gap using the median hourly pay and I guess just to take a step back and explain I think because uh, we all think we know what the gender pay gap is but I hear a lot of people say well isn't that just same you know same pay for same role and I Mm. think it's important to understand that actually the gender pay gap is the difference in median earnings of men and women across all roles in a workforce so uh, for us it's across the accounting profession but um, it can be any workforce in fact you measure them by countries as well and it's expressed as the difference between um, men's pay and women's pay um, as a percentage of men's pay. Okay. All right. So, um, and there's information about all of that in the survey as well to explain how the numbers have been calculated. What has the survey found in regards to CAs? So the survey found that when compared to 2022, so that was the previous year the survey was done, um, the pay gap in Australia closed by six percentage points. It went down to 13%. Um, it was a lot more stubborn in New Zealand and mm. it went down by a percentage point to 22%. So, and there's some, there's some analysis, isn't there, as to why we think that that's the case? We're of the view that the requirement um, from 2024, the WGIA requirement for organisations with a workforce of 100 or more employees to publish their pay gap has really influenced that drop down from um, by six percentage points, the pay gap between years in Australia. So mm. that's really influenced um, the reporting requirement, the transparency requirements really influenced pushing that down. Um, we don't have any similar to, similar mandatory reporting requirements yet in New Zealand, although mm. we're working really um, closely with the government and officials to hopefully get that over the line. And we made some really good progress last year. Um, but in terms of reporting your pay gap for your organisation. We have a gender pay gap playbook, which Gil will put in the the links to this podcast. Mm. And that has some really practical steps that you can take in your organisation. If you're a you know small or medium-sized practice or any organisation that you can take to work towards, first of all, measuring your pay gap and then um, educating your, your leaders within your, your workplace and really 
be working towards helping close your pay gap in your organisation. So, um, and we're updating that with the latest data from this REM survey, so it'll be really current and it's so easy to step through. Mm. So I encourage you to have a look. On that point of education, there is some interesting research as well in the REM survey about whether or not that view of the existence of a gender pay gap even exists. There's some data on that too. There certainly is, Gil. So each year we ask members um, whether or not they believe a pay gap exists, like you pointed out. So this year the number or the percentage of of respondents that believed a pay gap exists dropped from 49% in 22 to 45% this year. Um, Interestingly, women are more likely, almost two-thirds of women, or just over 67%, believe a pay gap exists, whereas only 28% of men believe it exists. Um, I think if more people understood what the pay gap is and how it comes about, and if they actually took the time to read through our playbook, which has been written to sort of bust those myths, Mm, um, mm. then I think they may reach a different conclusion. Because I think it's irrefutable there is a gender pay gap in both countries. It's measured by the governments. Um, There is no doubt the data is there that there is a gender pay gap. So to me, we're missing a bit of education here. And I really encourage people that are a little bit sceptical to go and have a look at our gender pay gap playbook because there are, you know, like um, there are a lot of things. Well, there's scenarios in there as well. Great scenarios. And the other point to make is, and you did say it at the start, that it is not about... paying um pay for pay as in it is mm-hmm. it, it is illegal to not pay someone um the same salary for doing exactly the same job and yeah. that, that is that outlawed in the 70s so yes yeah that's, exactly that's not what the gender pay gap is but i can see why there would be confusion that people think well um people are getting paid the same for the same job what are you talking about so Listeners of the podcast will know how much I enjoy putting a link to CAANZ resources in the show notes. So there will be plenty of links in there for you to go and check out. Look, we are out of time. We have had a great discussion here on a useful resource for our members, particularly our SP members, and a discussion about the playbooks and resources that can support you. And also, I'm going to give the pl- a plug to the REM survey that will, in a matter of months, will hit your inbox again. And if you are keen to participate, because we've had a great number of members get involved this uh, to the to the one that we've just released, so that's the 2023 survey. But if Mm. you see it pop into your inbox to give your information for the 2024 survey, please complete it. Click on it because the information, the data is key. It helps us, doesn't it? Oh, it's hugely helpful. And can I also give another little plug is that if you go into my CA, you can get access to the very detailed data tables, which break the number of um, the REM by location, by role. So for example, if you're in Victoria and you're a junior accountant and you've got zero to five years experience, they have the responses listed out in that level of detail. And so you can go in there and see what other people are getting paid. Um, So go have a look in my CA. Those tables are broken down into tiny levels of detail. And uh, that's the part I love is probably a bit of a data nerd. So um, I will put a link to my CA in the show notes as well. So you don't have to go off and find it for those who are listening along with us today. (laughs) 
Look, that is all we have time for. Have you checked out the podcast page on the CAANZ website? It's been given a revamp for the start of season four, so please go and check it out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well because there's plenty of great content, experts and interviews and resources tailored just to you. And if you are looking for anything, that is the place to get it. And, of course, you'll also see a link to the podcast in the newsletters you receive from CAANZ, so check your preferences while you are looking at the REM survey in MyCA. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, email us podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com and follow the pod in your favourite podcast app. Let's start a conversation. Thank you, Charlotte Ebert, for being my guest on Small Firm Big Impact. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.